I'm Jonathan Idle. Thank you so much for listening. My guest today is a very good friend of mine. He is a columnist for the Suffield Observer in Suffield, Connecticut. My friend Andy Sauer. How are you, buddy? Hey, how's it going? This is an absolute pleasure. Friends of the chat, I cannot tell you how much I've been looking forward to the day this man would have a podcast. (laughs) I've I've been on him for like 10 years. Oh, yeah, you have. And uh, and this is just great. I love the show. I love everything about it. And, you you know, that's, that's, I'll tell you, I'm not... Um, I, it's not that I don't like wrestling. I can't say that I am a fan. Right. And you make me interested in it. Oh, thanks, listening man. Listening about it, listening to the crazy stories. I cannot tell you how many times um, uh, my wife and I joke, strike three, strike, strike three, three, strike three. three. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one, dude, there was no strike one. Oh. Like it was, it was, it went from, it went from, oh, something's going on to actively it was happening. Yeah. You've yeah. got an, you've got a knack for this. And I'll tell you, this is, this is happening. And the fact that you are doing it week in and week out, man. And that is cool. Thanks, dude. And so it, I appreciate it, is, it. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, and this one is definitely, I'm an appointment viewer. As soon as the pod drops, I'm on it. So you're, you're the one too. If it doesn't drop on time, you're like, "Hey, where is it? Yeah, I know. Where, where, <laughs> wait, 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 what's, what's, what's going, going on? on? It, it, it comes out every Tuesday. I no, like what? there were two people that tried to talk me into doing something like this. Uh, it was you and my cousin Mike, who I had the comedian that I had on. Yeah, yeah, he was great, and he was on. So now you're on, and it's awesome. This is great. So. I, th- I think today we're going to play, what are we going to call it? Does it suck or it doesn't uh, suck? What yes. are we going to call it? Uh, it doesn't suck. It doesn't suck. Right. All right. All right. I like that. All okay. Right. Right. So first you mentioned you mentioned this U2 album. Yeah. We're, we're jumping right into it, by All the right. way. We're uh, diving uh, right just, in. Is just, that cool? I, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm prepared to defend what needs to be defended. Okay. And, and to be clear, we have almost no format on here. I have like three or four things I want to ask you. And from there, on, from then on, we just roll and go for it. Let's go for it. Okay, cool. Right. So this U2 album, it was No Line on the Horizon, right? No Line on the Horizon. I still remember uh, a friend of mine. We've been U2 fans. So let me just preface this. Sure, okay? yeah. I've been a U2 fan since 1982. Okay. So I'm, you know, 53 I'm going to be 53 years old. I've been a U2 fan since I was 14 years old. Okay. The first uh the first album I got was October. Mm-hmm. And then what really would really so that was their second album. And what really kind of clinched it for me, which made me like a devoted fan forever, was War. Yeah. And uh, that was a big one. That was great. And yeah. and and I I got it like the day it was released at this college record store. Yeah. And um the next day, I wanted to get tickets. They, they, I had heard that they were going to go on a tour, and I got tickets. Uh, I bought tickets the night before the show, a U2 show. It wasn't even sold out. doesn't happen now. No, no. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. I was a fan for life. Absolutely. And so I have followed their career very closely. I've seen them around 20 times. I am wow. like a fanatic. I want to go with you once. I went once, <sighs> and I want to go with you, and I want to be down close. Oh, I, I, want to go, I, w- I would love to go to a U2 show with you. It's it's Well, you know, you say that now, but you know, uh, I, there's a lot of jumping around involved. There's a lot of singing. Great, yeah, you know, then, then come it, see it, Cheap it, Trick it, with it, me. How about that? We'll trade off. <laughs> there was There's this theory that if um, the band that you loved when you were 15 years old, you will love for life. Mm. And and I have to say, that's that's the way it was for me yeah, and cool. you too. And um, so but when this album came out, I want to say it was 2009. I think so, yeah. Roughly 2009. Um a lot of U2 fans kind of felt let down by it. I don't know what they were expecting. I think maybe they were expecting sort of the same kind of trajectory they, they had with their previous two albums, which was um, Vertigo yeah, and... Um, How to Dismantle. Uh, How to Dismantle Atomic Bomb yeah. and, um, and then uh, All That You Can't Leave Behind. I don't know what they were expecting. And I remember getting this email, uh, one-word email from a friend of mine. Who, it was just meh. 
Really? Really? Uh, yes. All right. So I okay. Here's the thing. My I'm I'm a casual fan. Mm-hmm. At, at one point in time, that was the best concert I ever went to. Mm-hmm. I think it was. They're amazing live. So I just went into it yesterday when you mentioned this to me, and I just listened to it. And as a casual fan, I thought it was fantastic. And here's the thing about them that they have kind of jumped around with styles a little bit. They'll they'll what was that one where he was wearing those crazy bug glasses? Uh, 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 Octung baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then there was a, there was another one too. What the hell was it called? I don't know. Whatever. But they they they'll kind of they'll 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 turn the knob a couple notches in one direction or the other every now and then and. I feel like that's kind of what you expect from them. Yeah. So to have people not like this album, what was that song I mentioned? I said to you, what was it? Um, uh, um, Moment of Surrender, dude. A fantastic love song. That one hit me so hard. Yeah. yeah. I, I was I was in here just just earbuds in, just listening to the album, and I and I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it's it's about you know the moment of surrender, about falling in love at, at that point, kind of releasing yourself to you know the uncontrollable forces of love, passion, romance, and all the baggage that it carries with it. You yeah. Know, the and you know and people forget that. Um, that you know, when you fall in love, in, in, when you're in the throes of it, you're like, "What if this doesn't work out? Yeah. I don't know if I can handle that." But and you it, wonder if you're thinking rationally. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it and it captures it uh, perfectly. Um, and so this friend who typed "meh," this is a lifelong U2 fan. This is a guy who, like me, has been a fan. But I think that he always measures it to his favorite albums. They're, yeah, like you know, he's always holding them to the standard of Joshua Tree. He's yeah. always holding them to the highest standard, and if, and if they don't achieve that, uh, he's disappointed. And so, but I, does it not? I I mean, I didn't know any of the songs going in, and I liked them all. I I agree. I agree. Well, look, okay. First of all, uh, for him, I think when he let me think, this friend of mine is two years younger than me, so. Um, when the Joshua Tree came out for him, it must have been high school. It must have been he must have been a senior. For mm, him, about right, yeah. you know, for him that was his awakening of the band, I suppose. Okay, and so for him that was the level that he expects them to achieve at. And you know, as a band, they do achieve high. And so I think he's holding them to that standard. But you know, I heard this once this great theory that said. The difference between your expectations and reality is the difference between happiness and sadness. So if you expect a lot and reality falls short of your expectations, that's unhappiness. If you expect, if your if reality exceeds your expectations, well, then you're happy. And so there's, there's an obvious, you know, hack to this is yeah. that, you know, keep your expectations um, on the, I'm not on the low side, but you know, reasonable. And then right. chances are you're going to love everything right. that they do. You're going to love everything that you experience. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel as though, okay, the edge, I feel as though he is like, he, he drifts away from his normal way of playing and per album, you know, but this one, he kind of really went back to that. He's like one of those layer guys yeah, yeah. where it's not about like, he doesn't try to carry the whole thing. Like he's, he layers in his really chimey kind of notes, bing, 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 you know, that weird yeah, kind of, yeah. and he did a lot of that on this album. There's yes. a lot of that. And, yeah. and I think, I think he is one of the most underrated guitar players. I don't understand why people don't like him. I don't get it. Part of it is the time period he came from. Yeah. You know, oh, he yeah. came from that post-punk time period where, um, you know, he's definitely, 
he definitely kind of cut his teeth during the time of the Ramones during right, the time in the seventies. Right. And so, you know, I think he went up there short on talent, but long on creativity, long on knowing what his, what, what he wanted to sound and that he wanted to be different. Yeah. Um, I think he's super innovative. Really? I don't think, is he going to be a Stevie Ray Vaughan type of guitarist? No, he's, that's not his, that's not thing. his thing. That's not his thing. But let's not forget just because he doesn't, play a ripping guitar solo doesn't mean he can't right okay because seeing him live every now and then he goes off right and he can play but just because he doesn't show off i don't think he, people realize how good he is you know the thing is is and it's the same with music and, and the only way i can kind of um uh, explain it is the medium i know best which is writing so for anyone who wants to be a writer for anyone who knows how to write the one thing that you are looking for in writing more than anything else is your voice yeah. so that when people read your stuff they hear your voice yeah. they hear you the problem is when you're a writer you're also chances are a reader and you have your favorite books you yeah. have your favorite authors and so it's un it's 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 normal to kind of imitate the, the, the writers that you like most. So let's say you love Ernest Hemingway. Chances are, yeah. as a writer, you're going to skew towards Hemingway. But that's not you. You're not Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> right, you right, know? right. So you have to find your voice, find whatever it is. Now, for some writers, it takes a lifetime. Right. Some, it, it can take a lifetime. Others, it seems to come so naturally. Right. But the idea, whatever that voice is, do it. Make it your voice. Well, I think he's become one of those guitar players that you, as soon as you hear it, you know it's him. Exactly. It's very authentic. Yeah. It's very him. And so he has succeeded in finding his voice musically. Um, if he were to do anything else to try to be, pretend to be anything else to satisfy a critic. To, yeah. Uh, I why? remember Henry Rollins right. like, bashed him at length. Oh, he bashed the whole band. He bashed the. He, you know, the thing is, is if they were to say, "Well, gee, hell, man, we got to impress Henry Rollins. We better, we better do something." I love and, Henry. To be and, clear, yeah, I love yeah, Henry. No, no, but you know, the, but the thing is, and he's passionate. He's 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 a very passionate guy. That's great. But what he does, and maybe now he gets it with age. You got to be you. You right. got to go out there and be you. Well, this thing is, he says that his thing, biggest problem is with the rhythm section. He says they've been playing the same thing for for forty years or something like that. Yeah, but that's them. Whatever. You know? yeah, yeah, I don't. You know, he's been screaming his head off for 40 years. So yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know, it, it, you know find, you, and that's the thing with writing, with with podcasting, with anything. Be Find out who you are and be true to it. Be authentic. Because the public, they can smell bullshit. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Can, and, and, if, and, it, and if you've got the stink on you, it sucks. Oh, yeah. It sucks. Now, you know, the funny thing is I just got back from New Orleans a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, my I went God. once. It's so cool. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's a musician's paradise. Oh, I, yeah. When I was there, I said, shit. Shit, I could make a living here. I play the bass. I could make a living here as a bassist. Just go from club to club, back yeah. in bands. Yeah. And there was this one dude. He had the Stevie Ray thing down. Yeah. He had the Stevie Ray thing yeah. down, and you could see. And like, it, you know, it was. I don't know. We we caught a ten o'clock show. And the lead singer said, give it up for this guy. He has been playing since 9 a.m. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was a Sunday. And the thing is, is that that's not him. He's not playing him. He's playing Stevie Ray, right. now, which is great. I love Stevie Ray, but that's not him. And if you want to be an, if you want to be a professional musician and you got to put bread on the table, I get that. Okay. Right. Do what it takes. But if you want to be an artist, you got to find yourself and be true to it. Well. As I'm sure you know, there's no money in artistry, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, that's not the point. No, the, the, I, I, I agree 100%. You got yeah. you it. You know, and I think the best artists, you know, it's not even about the money anymore. It's about finding that kind of frequency, finding right. that level, that truth. And once you find a truth, 
screw the money. You almost ruin. You almost ruin the the, the beautiful gem that you've discovered by right. by by coveting money. Okay, well, this we agree on, yeah. and that's great. And away we go. I'm going to stretch out. Okay, here we All go. Right. Okay. All right, here we go. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Okay, defending. Okay, okay. Um, I am prepared for you to now defend the Star Wars prequels. Away you go. All right, listen. When George Lucas... Uh, did the Star Wars, uh, the original Star Wars. You know, first of all, the original Star Wars almost didn't get made. True, agreed. And yep. so, I mean, and the thing is, what it, what it is, um, in addition to being a masterpiece of special effects, a masterpiece of storytelling, the, the untold story, it's a masterpiece of editing because, oh, yeah. you know, when he when he finally got everything together. Well, they had two crews filming at the same time, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, and special effects back in California. Yep. And then in London, or London area, they were filming a lot of the you know Death Star scenes yeah, and whatnot, yeah, yeah. and so it's an editing masterpiece in itself. But I'm sure, as he looked back, as we all look back to things, I should have done this or I should have done that, or you know, I'm sure there were a lot of different things that he he wanted to change had he had had he had the money, had he had a- anything else. Yeah, the time. But yeah, and so I think when um, you know and. Remember when the prequels came out? It's pre. Wait, wait are we talking about um, episode four through the re-release of episode four through seven? Not yet. We're not now. We're oh, talking episodes one through that. three. Oh, yeah. oh, episodes one through three. Oh, oh, dude. Okay. First of all, I remember being ten years old reading. Do you remember that Scholastic magazine, Dynamite? No. Oh my goodness! You have to be of a certain age to appreciate this. So I'm your age. <laughs> no, you're younger than me. I'm a year younger than you. No, you're not. What? You're going to be fifty three this I'm gonna year. Be I'm going to be fifty two this year. You rem- then you remember the magazine Dynamite. Well, no, I don't remember it. I'm sure it was around, but so like Scholastic, the, you know the, the Scholastic books we yeah, would yeah, get yeah. when you order and stuff like that. There was like a magazine that came with the the stuff. It was called Dynamite, and uh, and it was kind of like very seventies kind of color and writing, and mm-hmm. they they were doing the whole. They were ca- I always thought they were capitalizing on the um, who was the dude from G- Good Times, Dynamite. Yeah, uh, uh, JJ Walker. JJ Walker. Yeah, I yeah. always thought they were capitalizing on that. Anyway, in Dynamite, they had an interview with George Lucas. Yeah, and uh, and it was incredible. And in that issue of Dynamite, he described the prequel that he wanted to do. He described like Episode One, Episode Two. He described this epic. Uh, lightsaber battle between uh, Darth Vader and uh, and Obi Wan Kenobi. The, now, w- mind you, this is 1977. The movie has just come out. We right. know nothing. Nothing. Yet. We don't know. Well, spoilers alert. Yep. We don't know Darth Vader's Luke's father. What? We don't know no, no. anything. We know zip. Yeah. So there he is. It was in his head all along the whole story the yeah. whole plot you know maybe Jabba the Hutt wasn't a slug maybe he was a human or who knows what what sort of uh, you know little tweaks he made but it was all up there it's his story it was all up there so when he gets a chance to finally revisit the franchise put the prequels together it's his vision. He has all the money in the world. He has everything at his disposal. And so it starts. Now, the funny thing is, with episode one, you talk to millennials. Yeah. They loved episode yeah, one. And the thing is, is that with the star, what, what I think is the Star Wars fans were comparing the prequels to the beloved films that they well, saw. I mean, don't you kind of have to? No. All let right, it stand right. on its own. Okay. I see your defense. I call your defense and I raise you Jar Jar Binks. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay, and wait. 
I see my my Jar Jar Binks and I raise to see three PO getting dragged across a desert and saying, "What a drag!" Okay, I'm looking. Make sure your daughter isn't listening. Fuck that. Okay. All right. So listen. Okay. Um, first of all, do you know there's a theory that Jar Jar Binks is a Sith? Well, I, 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 so, I know, and I don't care. He was right. awful. Listen, uh, George Lucas loves to make, at heart, he's making it for the kids. He's not making it for the adult, the, the kids who have now become adults. He wanted to have a version of comic relief, a goofy version of okay, comic relief. but a stupid pun like that? Come on. Oh, you're talking about, well, you know, the, but... This is just, there were lots of stupid puns well, sure. in, the, in the other movies. And, and another thing, too, when, first of all, all the, the little kid who was playing Anakin, it was awful. That kid was terrible. He was terrible. He's all right. He's terrible. He's terrible. And when he's showing his friends his pod racer, right? Mm-hmm. All the other kids were worse than him. Okay. Oh, gee, Anakin, I love your pod racer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and one of them had braces on her teeth. Now, are you going to tell me that in a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, they have the same freaking orthodontics listen, that we have here? Listen, straight teeth are important. You need to take care of this <laughs> at a young age. And in addition, a good oral hygiene is important to one's fitness. Yeah, you fitness. would think, though, if they, have, if, they have, if they have swords made out of lasers and pod racers, they might have another way to straighten even, the kid's even teeth. Even on Dusty Tatooine. They you might know. have a, a way to straighten the kid's teeth that aren't exactly like we have here. I, I don't know how. I don't know how. The teeth are teeth. They, I mean, need to be, had, they need okay, to be adjusted. If, if Lucas had the money to do this, couldn't he have paid enough to get that kid's braces cut off for one day and put them back on? Weren't they like his kids? Or like one, Who like cares? One of, anyway, come on. One, I think in one of the movies, one of his kids plays a, a Jedi, a, a Jedi uh, youngling. Yeah. Look, um, is it perfect? No. But... It's it lays the groundwork for the rest of the franchise. The next two, the next three episodes, you start out with Anakin. You get to you. It's the beginning of his story arc. Now the thing is, there are other characters to introduce as well. Obi Wan Kenobi as uh, sure. as a Padawan, and and then of course there's um, Gui Gon Jinn as Liam Neeson. Do you know like this? He's still a part of the franchise. He is still in the books. He is still well, sure. in the comic books. That's how important. And and as the character himself. The movie touches upon it. He was sort of like um, a rebel Jedi, like, you know, uh, not a rebel in the sense of the rebel sense, but he did not follow the stereotypical mold of all of all the other Jedi. Look, it's it's part of, again, it's Lucas's mind. Okay, this is the guy who was who a brought, psychopath. No, the guy who brought this out. It all came from his head to begin with. It's his world. That's we like, just, that's we're like just defending watching. Dahmer. It, 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 that's his idea was to, was to make zombies and eat their livers. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it isn't nuts. Okay. So, all right, I will say this. I feel like they got progressively better for the three and I think three was the best one one I think one oh my god They're, they'll be running away they'll be running away from something and then Liam Neeson would just stop down and have 10 minutes of terrible dialogue with the kid and it's just like it's so much just useless dialogue happen. yes that, it absolutely that, that did happened. oh it did wait when Anakin get in the ship that no, was no, the no. dialogue? No, you would stop down on one knee, Anakin, blah, 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 just blah, 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 just oh, diarrhea Oh, they didn't know they were being chased. They knew, they knew oh, yeah, something still, was afoot. They so didn't know they were being... So much stupid dialogue. No, it just this the is like, you know, yeah, Anakin, you're going to have to learn to control your anger. 
Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, no, I, listen, it was the start of it. I think that uh, on a number... Look, the pod race was epic. It was incredible. It, it was incredible. Uh, I, the, won't, I won't deny that. It was amazing. The, the, uh, special effects-wise, it was incredible. I thought it was, it, was, it was fun to watch on a big screen. It was really great. I just thought it was just and keep a boring mind, this movie. And keep in mind, 1998. I mean, CGI is still in its infancy. Still in its infancy. I mean, it was like, it, you know, we can't even imagine... You know, they, they couldn't even imagine what things were going to be like. This is a few years after Toy Story. This is a few years after they're doing computer animation. This is like technology has got a long way to go. Oh, yeah. um, it, it was amazing. Now, do I the, some of the acting I do agree is it's not on par, let's say, with, you know, the great movies of our time. Right. But it's not for us. It's for kids. It's for a general audience. And you can hold that. But movie. it is for us, though, right? If we saw it in the 70s, we're going to want to see what's going on. So it's for both, right? It's for both, but but more, it's more for the kids. And and I think, like, I took my son to see it, I mean, when he was an infant. And we he has probably watched that movie more than any others. He has no ill feelings towards the franchise, towards the movie. And I would counter that episode two, Attack of the Clones, it's the, it's the least... Uh, I I think that was the the most boring one, and that had the most action. And the, the third one was dark. It was very and dark, it was, and, and I uh, that one I dug. I like how dark it got, and it really kind of laid the groundwork. You know, I think that it, at the end of the day, it's sort of like this is George Lucas's world. If you want to participate in it, if you want to watch it, then watch it. And if you don't, then then don't. Then yeah, Star Wars right. is not for you. Right. But I mean, it's really kind of like for a general audience, and it's not meant to be Gone with the Wind or The Godfather. Well, sure. So it's meant to be, but it's meant still, to stand on its own I and I think, think it does it very well. I still think it should be done well, though. You know, that's all. I just that, oh, there's so many things that took me out of that one in particular. That's, really? You know, I, so, I, yeah. I, you know, I've seen that, I've seen that movie many, many times I, and I can say, uh, uncategorically, I do not believe it sucks. Okay, I think that one in particular does suck. We're doing, this is, by the way, everybody listening. This is all very subjective, and and we're and this is a, a peaceful debate that Andy and I have been been doing similar debates for well over a decade. So that this is how it goes, you know. So but <laughs> it's true, right? Now you know the re-release of the movies. I was oh. a, I was a features editor um, at this newspaper. And um, this was in Waterbury, Connecticut. And I remember going to the page one meeting the day before the screening of, of the re-release of episode four. I was, I saw it, I was in Florida and I went to the theater and saw it. I was on vacation and I went and saw it. And I said to the, they said, well, what, what are you running in features? And I go, well, our weekend section, the, this is going to be a big weekend. They are re-releasing Star Wars. Now, these were all uh, in the parlance of our youth boomers. This yeah. was this was nineteen. I want to say nineteen ninety six, maybe maybe ninety seven. I don't know. Something like that. It was, um, and uh, these these were all baby boomers uh, who had seen the originals. And I said, "This is going to be big news. This is huge." And uh, we're leading with our section about the re-release. This is a cultural experience. I was laughed at. I was laughed in a page one meeting, you know, with all my bosses, all the yeah. editors. Yeah. The city, oh, ha, 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 ha. I go, you know, laugh all you want, guys. This is this is a big deal. And uh, the next day, the next, the, the very next day yep. I go in for the page one meeting, it's a Saturday, they are putting it on the front page, showing the lines out of the theaters. Oh, but it was a joke. I, I thought, mean, yeah. you know, it, yeah, it, exactly. And the thing is, is that I don't think the, that generation of people who didn't grow up with Star Wars as right. like a Gen Xer. They didn't get it. Yeah. They didn't get it then. Or they, if they got it, they, yeah, yeah, it's a movie. It's an interesting movie. In their minds, they're still comparing it to the, the movies of their time, right, whatever, right, right. whatever that might be. And so the thing is, is that 
it has a power and uh, it is it is timeless it follows a classic format of storytelling of classic format of of of, of archetypes you know the, the 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 light the dark the fight the battle that will resonate for forever it's gonna yeah. it, it it is our iliad it is our epic it is our king arthur true and so and here's george lucas the guy it came from and he's kind of pouring out his brains listen if the guys who wrote king arthur and the knights of the round table i mean we if they were still alive we're like more you know uh, george <laughs> rr right, martin writes game of thrones yeah. they're still waiting they're still waiting so like you know the the hbo series surpassed the book series the books are so much more detailed so much more layered and it all comes from his brain and they're they're saying hey you've got to finish the series you got to finish these books before you die i mean that's so yeah. here we have this genius at our disposal if he wants to put a substandard movie that that you know it does not meet the expectations of an entire generation x then so be it who cares here's here's my thing i feel like when he uh, there's only look i didn't mind the re-releases of the original trilogy. I didn't mind them because I thought they did some things. They updated the the special effects. It was cleaner, Mm -hmm. you know? There's only two things that bug me and they were both in uh, the re-release of episode four. We discussed this uh, a little bit yesterday. I didn't hate that he had Jabba the Hutt come in in episode four. I I liked that idea. I thought it was really, really cool and he had to do it with a CGI and like you said, CGI was in its infancy so it didn't look great. You know, but still, it was kind of cool. I liked that it, he was there, and they had that conversation. It built up, even though we knew the story of, of Han and and Jabba. Mm-hmm. It kind of built on that a little bit. My only problem was, I feel like it was done. It was lazy the way he did it. My only problem was when when Han walks around the back of of Jabba, and there's Jabba's. He's a giant slug. He's got his <laughs> yeah, tail. Yeah, yeah. And Han, okay, he's got to get over the tail. Okay. So instead of, of uh, they, I feel like if they cut away to some, uh, to shot a Chewbacca or something, anything mm-hmm. for that one second, instead of having Han step on, on, on Jabba's tail and he does this stupid cartoony face and even worse, he, it's not even a gradual step up. Just in one frame, he's standing there. Then in the next frame, he's on top of the tail. Next frame, he's back down. It was just done really, really sloppily. And I just wish they they edited it just a, a little bit more. And I feel like George Lucas has it. You, you cook, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. Have you ever like been cooking something like, oh, it needs something. And then you put something in and it ruins it. <laughs> Okay, yes. I feel like he put in too much cumin. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So I just feel like if he just edited it himself in his crazy brain for that two seconds, I think it would have made all the difference in the world. Usually for me, it's garlic. I always, you know, I too much <laughs> never garlic. too much garlic. Never. No, I love garlic, but yeah. you know, um, you know, okay. Before I answer or before I address but this, but can you see my point about the jump up, jump back down? It was so, it was so choppy. I yeah, I and the stupid face Jabba makes. It's stupid. He's a tough bounty hunter. Okay, let's let's talk about the face first. Okay, not a bounty hunter. What was he? A, a, a what would you call like a? No, no, he was like a he was a he was like a, a thug. He was a, thug, a, a gangster like a, kind of a thing. Crime yeah. lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he was like a you know uh, yeah. That's a, what I was trying to find. Organized yeah. crime lord, Godfather right. type right. of thing. Although Godfather seem always to have more class. So I mean, if if if, if all right, if, yeah. Okay, so come back in time with me, okay? Come back in time because the only I'm the there. only way I can the only way I can get you to see this is to come back <laughs> back yeah, yeah, yeah. to 1977. Okay. So when I saw <laughs> when Star Wars came out in 1977, I saw 
that movie that summer 10 times. Loved it. Oh, yeah. I, and, and so do you remember there was a preview for Smokey and the Bandit? Uh, it was, it, it, at least in the movie theater I always saw, the showcase cinemas that I saw, this was uh, in, in Rhode Island. C- we used to see it at Seekonk. Okay. Um, which is uh, just outside of Providence. Oh, I, spent a lot of, I wrestled there a lot on no that area. A lot, a lot. Oh, yeah, that whole area. <laughs> and, uh, and so they always had the same preview, and they had Smokey and the Bandit, which I, I guess came out that year as well. Probably, right? Yeah. Do you remember the scene in Smokey and the Bandit where um, the uh, uh, the car, the sheriff's car, uh, like goes right underneath the truck <laughs> yeah, and the yeah, roof yeah, got yeah, yeah. And then it, the son says, Daddy, our roof came over, something yeah, yeah, stupid. Yeah, yeah. Right. I remember as a 10-year-old laughing so well, sure. hard at that same scene over and over and over again. I I didn't see Smokey and the Bandit for years later. So I funny. mean, I was like a, a teen nah, when I saw I didn't see it as a 10-year-old. My, my mom wasn't going to let me see that. No way. Um, so I'd see it later. And that's, but I remembered that scene. I would, I, I, would, it was, I would laugh, piss my pants so hard at that stupid scene. Why? Because I was 10 years old. Right, right, because right. Because I was 10 years old to see Star Wars. So when George Lucas re-releases Star Wars for a new generation, it's not our generation that he's releasing it for. It's the millennials he's releasing it for who are like 10 years old at the time. He's trying to get that reaction from them, that piss your pants so because... He, Han steps on Java's tail. Okay, but it was just so sloppy. Maybe it was sloppy, but he was, go- that, he was going for the cheap yuck. Okay, great, but... It, it, Dude, put a little bit of the money you put into the job of the hut effect and just make it look like it's a gradual step up instead of a like a cut, cut, cut. The other thing is, uh, going back in time again, I, I read the Star Wars comics, yeah. and, I, and the, the comics were, uh, I don't even know how they did it, but they had a scene with Jabba the Hutt mm-hmm. in the comic books, yeah. and it was a human being. And yeah. later on, I would see the the outtakes of uh, the the episode four, and, the, and it showed yeah the guy who was he, he, supposed to be Jabba was not very imposing. Was no, he? he was just a human being, a you know, do- doughy yeah. guy in a stupid outfit. Exactly, yeah. but they had this rich footage, these archival scenes that you know it could go in there. He had the opportunity. He was he was trying to make it work. He brought a cooking metaphor. He brought a cooking metaphor, and, and maybe he added too much cumin. Yeah. But he didn't have any curry. You know, he needed yeah. to find something, and so he did. Did he have he, to, though? Did he have to do it? That's just it. Did he, well, it was a re-release. He wanted to add a well, little, sure, you know. But, but, it was, but then it was just done poorly. So it was like he did it, and it, it didn't have to be done. You there's, know, there's, a, there's like a, to me, there's like a less is more thing going on here, you know? You know, you should be more mad about the re-release of Return of the Jedi in DVDs. Do you know what they did there? Oh, they put the kid. They put Anakin. Yeah, they yeah, put yeah. Like the, they, I and, own them. Guess what? I watch the originals instead. Yeah, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and so you probably were like, what? What, oh, oh, what yeah, Tim Christensen doing this? Well, uh, he wasn't even alive. Yeah, I was pissed. I was pissed. <laughs> so pissed. But here, here's the other thing, too. All right, here we go. Who shot first? Who shot first? Wait. In what? Oh, wait, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I'm sorry. In, in, the, in the cantina. It was Han. Oh, Han. Of course. So yeah, in, the, in the remake, he didn't shoot first. Yeah, yeah. That pissed me off. Yeah, I could see, I could me see that. You know, it, 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 it's actually quite symbolic because in the, in the original, and keep in mind, the original, it was the 70s. Mm-hmm. It was post-Watergate, post-Nixon. The idea, the Han character, the archetype, was sort of the chaotic good. That's a Dungeons and Dragons metaphor I'm right. dropping. Chaotic good, guy who kind of is brought to the light, but he's kind of one of those shapeshifters. He's, he's still a pirate. 
Yeah. Okay. He's a dude of many colors there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He could go either way. And that's the whole point of the of those movies. And Han is like, you know, he, 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 it's a redemption of Han as well. Yeah. So him shooting first means a lot. When they change it in the other ones, he's, he's kind of white. Lucas is whitewashing it for the new next right, generation. But at the same time, too, then the rest of the movie, he's pretty much a shithead till the end of the movie. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's very yeah. all for him. And, you know, so I thought that was a pretty un- Han shot first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Han shot first. There, that's my thing. I, you know, I, I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay, I, I cool. like the better him shooting first too. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, very good. And now let. Okay, I've been thinking about it since you mentioned it, and we're talking about the the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Wait, can we just say? Yeah, sure. Do whatever you want. Okay. Uh, the re-release of the uh, trilogy yeah. do- doesn't suck. I'm gonna stick. No, with... it does not. Okay, good. No, good. All no, right. it does not. I just think there were. I wish there were a couple things that that were left out. So let's to recap. You two, no line on the horizon doesn't, doesn't suck. suck. Um, the re-release of the original trilogy doesn't, doesn't suck. It annoys me, but it doesn't suck. And then the prequels. Episode one sucks. Yeah. Okay. We, we it is unresolved. Sucks. I don't think it sucks. I hate. The, I hate the episode one. Right. I hate All it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So continue. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, my goodness. I love that movie. Okay. I love both movies. Love both movies. Okay. I am a huge, huge fan of the original. I'm a huge Gene <sighs> so Wilder good. fan. Oh. A huge fan. I've seen that movie hundreds of times. I love that movie. So, admittedly, I'm having a hard time watching the Tim Burton remake with Johnny Depp without comparing it to the original. And I, and I like Tim Burton and I like Johnny Depp very much. You know, I'm just having a real hard time. And, you know, like, I did watch a few videos and stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Johnny Depp did do a great job. He did do a good job. There were just uh, the, the things that we talked about that I think the, the, the boat scene in the original is, is something that stuck with me since I was a child. Oh, I really? remember that. Huh? Really? Oh, yeah. That boat scene, I found it because I remember that, that, that huge, what, a millipede or something crawls across a lady's face yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And, the, and I found and they cut a chicken's head off. These are all things I remember from watching it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Scared the crap out of me. And I, I still love that scene. And Wilder's rant and stuff. Yeah. And it was brilliant. They go to the remake. I don't even remember the boat exactly. scene from the remake. It's just I just remember the Oompa Loompas with it the oars. It was garbage. The, the boat scene, it was like this awful CGI, like waves and going through this whole thing. And it, I, I just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was really poorly done CGI in that part. Hmm. And, it, and it just, it took away one of my favorite, again, I said, I'm having a hard time not comparing it. I'll admit that. Hmm. But it took away one of my favorite movie scenes of all time and replaced it with a piece of garbage. Did you know that uh, the author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Roald Dahl, uh, he hated the Gene Wilder movie? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so much so that when Warner Brothers approached him to do the uh, the Glass Elevator, the, yeah. the sequel, yeah. he refused to release the rights. It was a big problem for Warner's Warner Brothers. I don't know what his problem was. I think the guy at, at heart he probably didn't expect it to be a musical. You know. <laughs> well, you know, but no, he wrote in. in the, did, you, did you ever read the book? No. Uh, it's 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 brilliant. Um, and there's a lot of singing in the book. The Oompa Loompas are always singing. Okay. And so, it, 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 the book is dark, and it's dark in that sort of you know how like kids fairy tales or kids fables or kid rhymes can get you know really dark sometimes it's like ooh, wow like uh what's the the one with the hatchet uh so and so uh hit her mother lizzie board yeah yeah and then gave two more yeah, yeah, <laughs> type yeah, of yeah. thing kid kids can be dark um you know in a weird sort of like 
Tim Burton way. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm yeah. saying? So um, I remember I, when I saw that he was releasing, I was like, oh, that that should be. I, I, I bugged me that they were redoing. I I don't like the fact we we have we have uh, uh, Hollywood full of writers and they're not writing anything. They're rewriting yeah. stuff that's already been done. And or I, co- it, taking comic books. I'm so yeah. t- that's fine. I'll even do that. But just to, to rework, what, like what are they going to ruin Jaws for me now too? You know what I mean? Which probably. Is prob- they which probably, probably will. Probably my favorite movie. Probably Jaws. Probably really Jaws. Probably yeah. I saw that in the theater as an eight year old. Only because the the way that they had uh, it, if you've ever watched a documentary about the making of it, that they mm-hmm. had so many problems and like the shark, you were supposed to see the shark the whole time, <laughs> which I think would have ruined the movie. Right. Yeah. But now that's how why they had to come up with the things with the barrels. The barrels would pop up to represent oh, the yeah, shark. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was because the shark wasn't working. Yeah, and, I, yeah. and I think it made it a better movie. Yeah, no, that, I, I love that movie as well. Um, yeah, they, they will remake it because the problem with Hollywood, it's all about making money. Right. And they're going to take ideas, uh, past ideas that they think, you know, oh, this made money. Let's let's give this a shot. And that's this is where we get into with the problem with art. Right. Is that, you know, there's there's so much pressure for artists to make money. And so and then there are people who want to produce, take artists, produce them, whether they're, whether they're the publishers, whether they're a record company, whether they're movie or even like Broadway, you know, Broadway has kind of let everybody down as well. You know, there's no more um, sense of adventure on behind uh, by the people who make money off art anymore. Right. So, yeah, and so so I can see that. But, but first of all, you you just kind of touch upon it. Johnny Depp is brilliant. He's great. This. He's great. I mean, he's great. You know, the thing is, is when I when I first saw it, I said, "Oh boy, I'm 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 getting a Michael Jackson vibe on this one. I'm gonna, I'm getting a real oh, Michael Jackson creepy. vibe." But um, he did it in such a. It, it wasn't. It kind of tasted like it, but it was different. It was so uniquely Depp. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Then the music alone, it's the Oingo Boingo guy. What's the guy? Uh, Elfman? Uh, yeah, uh, Danny, Danny Elfman. Elfman yeah. Oh, my God. I, after I saw the movie, I bought the soundtrack oh, really? just to listen to the music. I still have, you know, some of the songs memorized. Veruca Salt, the little brute, is heading down the garbage chute, and she will meet as she descends a rather different set of friends. I love that's it. fantastic, and that's straight from Roald Dahl. That's so now, he wrote those lyrics. I've gotten over. I think I told you. I've gotten over the fact that uh, Deep Roy played every yeah, Oompa Loompa. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten over letting that bug me. I think it's kind of cool that they look the same. I don't know, I've gotten kind of gotten over that. You know, the, uh, the, the other thing that bugged me too is there was something about the original that I found darker that you never saw the kids again. Mm-hmm. You don't know what happened. They were gone. They're mm-hmm. supposed to go take care of them. You don't know. I love that you never saw them again. Right, right. You know, I thought that was a really, really, as I got older too, I realized just how dark that really is. You have no idea yeah. what happened once Augustus Gloop goes up the tube. You know, you have no idea. Well, and then at the end of the remake, you see that the family, other families come walking out of the place. And that kind of, kind of bummed me out that yeah. you saw that. Did it ruin the movie for me? No, but it really bugged me. So I'm open to not thinking it sucks, by the way. Um, but then the other thing, they sent the girl off to be stretched. Yeah. Right? And so now, she, she mind you, this is a, a medieval torture, a way of torture <laughs> where they literally killed people yeah. by stretching them. And now instead there's this eight-year-old, uh, eight-foot-tall teenage girl like doing some kind of gymnastics Limber, yeah, move yeah. out the door. Look, I oh, can do, yeah. I wanted to smash my TV. You know, 
again, remember, you know, when uh, did Warner Brothers make that movie or did, did I don't Disney? Know. I, I don't know if it, it was again the demographic. They're trying to appeal to the kids, and I think of a, a modern sensibility. They wanted to say, "Oh, they're fine, they're fine." But in the book, you don't know what happens to the kids in the book, okay. and in and in the 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 was it seventy one? I don't remember when the movie came yeah. out. Seventies, the seventies movie. You don't know what happened to them either. You you hope. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you hope that they they manage to get poor Augustus Gloop out of the. <laughs> you hope so. You, you hope he's okay, but you don't know. And that is always the darkness of children. You know. That, okay. So all right, fine. So okay. I think that that's what they were trying to do. Burton wanted to say, no, no, they're fine. They're fine. Okay, she great. Could. But can we not have this girl look like she wasn't in incredible pain ten minutes before, and maybe not roll her way out? Have a, at least like. Walking out, looking slightly pained. Yeah, I might have, I might have done that. But you know, Burton's a crazy guy. You know, he has like these weird, you know, cartoony figures in all his movies and stuff. And maybe he just thought that was the way to go. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to watch it again, and I'll and I'll and I'll try to go at it with a with an an objective eye. My kids loved it. Yeah. My kids loved it. And again, remember, it's a movie for families, and they're trying to, you know. Di- did you ever watch? I didn't hate the backstory, by the way, of the Oompa Loompas. I did not hate that. Or the backstory, he went and he, and he found them on the island. I know. And stuff. I, I, I didn't hate that. And all the other backstories as well. I mean, like with the toothpaste cap, the guy putting toothpaste yeah, that, cap, I, I you know, all that, that stuff. Yeah. None of all this was uh, completely original. Yeah. But um, I don't know. You know, I, I've seen that movie many times with my kids. And then um, my daughter, who's 11, I think we saw it with her. We put it on uh, the TV, like when she might have been five or six. She still remembers it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think, you know, as a kid's movie, it succeeds you know when you when you have kids I don't I barely get to go to the movies anymore that see like a, like a, a, a regular movie because uh, my wife has certain criteria that need to be met for movies for her to want to even set foot in the theater and my kids you have to watch movies that, that will be alright for them right. so that movie succeeded on all, on all those I, levels would you say that it's better than the original No. Good. Because no. your wife insists that it's better than the original. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, she has a thing for Johnny Depp. I was going to say, that's li- literally what I said to her when she says, which is, that's better than the original. I go, only because you think Johnny Depp is dreamy. Yes. That's literally what yeah. I said to her. And she, you know. Whatever. Yeah, you caught her. You caught her. It's true. It's true that you that you were able to suss that. That's a remarkable insight. Yeah. So, you know, with my wife, um, she will only see movies that star Meryl Streep. Yeah. Judy Dench, or is a romantic comedy set in London? That's it. That's all she'll say. Or something with Johnny Depp. Something with Johnny Depp. <laughs> so, I, what was the recent Johnny Depp movie? I think we saw he was that, that was the only. It, it might have even been the only reason we saw Pirates of the Caribbean franchises because Johnny Depp was in it. <laughs> and so, like someone will say, "Oh, did you see The Irishman?" Which was a fantastic movie. I heard. By the yeah, way. I haven't seen it yet. It's really good. Okay, but give yourself like an entire day. I heard it's like three and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. it's long. It, it's, do you see the Irishman? Does, is it star Meryl Streep? No. Does it star Judy Jens? No. Is it a romantic comedy set in London? No. Absolutely John, not. No. Okay, no, we're not going to see out. it. We're out. Wow, so, no and kidding. That, and, and let me tell you, Ford versus Ferrari came out in the movie theater. Yeah. My buddy Bob wanted to see it. Oh, let's go see Ford versus Ferrari. And I asked the same, you know, we'll take the girls out to see them. And uh, the same criteria. Did she literally ask those questions? Yeah. And, and you know, we wound up seeing <laughs> Last Christmas, which is a romantic comedy set in London. Of course. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's hilarious. I love that. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so you recommended a movie to me. Which one? Uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, you're going to love it. Uh, you... We watched it last night. What do you think? Uh, tell uh, me what you thought. Uh, oh, I'm so excited. Isn't it awesome? I 
Okay, so you loved it. I loved it. My and brother, your brother hated brother it. Brother hated it. I'm with you on it. Yeah, I, I think I we I, I bawled my eyes out at the end, dude. Okay. Guys, listening, there's there might be some accidental spoilers in here, but there might even be full on spoilers. Who knows? So just uh, just be careful. Um, at the beginning, I was a little cautious because there's a guy that like the older fisherman that fires Shia LaBeouf's character there. That older fisherman, he just wasn't great. I didn't right, think you know, right. and I and and it, it, it that I was like, oh well, we'll see. And then it just takes off, and yeah. I thought it was so good. Oh, the other thing too, Bruce Dern couldn't have helped that kid throw his clothes outside out the window. Yeah, you know, so yeah. the kid didn't have to be poor kid with Down syndrome didn't have to be in his underwear for a right, day. Right. And Bruce Dern just told him to throw his clothes out the window. But that's a, really all that bugged he, me. And I, he's I, in a retirement home. Maybe he has you know who knows, cognitive issues. Who knows? You know? I don't know, but I thought it was so good. Did you know that? Okay, the wrestler at the end. Uh, the guy that was in the ring with him oh, at the yeah, end. That's yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts. No. He's a Hall of Fame wrestler. Really? Yeah. That's Jake this the Snake. This ain't no Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Jake the Snake Roberts. Like this legendary but troubled. There's a there's a, um, a documentary. I think it's on Netflix called, what was it called? Resurrecting Jake the Snake or something. Holy cow. Really? Oh, my God. Like the things this guy went through. He, he's, he's, he was very... He was very intense. Mm -hmm. Watching him as a wrestler was always very, very intense. He was amazing. But personal demons, drugs and alcohol, and, and it really, yeah. really ruined his career. But anyway, that's Jake the Snake. And the, remember the, the ring announcer slash referee? Yeah. Mick Foley, another, another no, Hall of Fame, so WWE this, Hall of Fame whoever, wrestler. Whoever made this movie was a wrestling fan. He went out and he got two WWE Hall of Famers to, no to, play, to play two of the people in the, in the wrestling scene, in the wrestling part. Yeah. I love that movie. Um, and I saw it in the movie theater. And okay, uh, had a real Huck Finn kind of feel to it, right? Friends, friends of the chat. Uh, I, I I apologize if there are any spoilers. I, I I will not not give any spoilers. But that it it, it had that Huck Finn oh, yeah. element and to my it. Buddy, my buddy Doc was here earlier, and he made that point. And I'm like, you're right. Well, you know, it's about trying. You know, it's about trying to find yourself. Yeah. You know, it's about trying to. You know, so Sheila Booth plays this guy who's literally kind of caught in the eddies oh yeah he's going nowhere and clearly disturbed by what happened in his life exactly again not too many spoilers but he's clearly disturbed by what happened in his life yeah and i don't remember the the character's name with down so so basically what the movie's about his name was uh zach zach um zach plays a kid who has uh down syndrome right and he's playing he's living in uh he's he's sort of in the custody of the state because he has no his family dropped him off yeah so so he uh, they don't know what to do with him so they put him in a home with uh, a, essentially a retirement community right and uh, he escapes and then he kind of encounters Sheila Booth who's sort of on the run and this is where it becomes a lot like Huck Finn oh, yeah. right down to the river oh yeah um, and but a it's raft all, and oh yeah but it's also about sort of self discovery you know right and and Zach knows that he is better than what everyone you know, assumes right. him to right. be and his way of wanting to show it is like I can wrestle I can do yeah. this and saltwater redneck might be the greatest wrestling name I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> the saltwater redneck. But I mean, and the movie had so many elements of like, you know, like with the fire scene, it's like, it's oh, a yeah. right, it's a rite of passage. What's going on right there is a rite of passage, you know, for both of them, but more importantly for Zach. And Sheila LaBeouf's character sees in Zach the talent, and here's a guy who has pain in his life, and now for the first time since he's on set of that pain, 
he's feeling sort of a sense of purpose. And then, of course, what, what's the uh, character's name? Uh, Dakota? No, not Dakota. What is her name? Yeah, I don't remember her name, but yeah. She is uh, obviously a social worker right. whose purpose it is to bring out the best out of people. Right. And so she's in there and it and, and it just it just works. And, you know, in the end, it becomes like, you know, the ultimate buddy movie, you know? Well, it's really funny, too, when they're having that the fire and they're... they're Putting the, 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 the makeup, the makeup the, yeah. on his face, and then he just starts spreading peanut butter yeah, on his yeah. face and stuff. And that's a peanut butter falcon comes out. And I remember feeling like this is like a Lord of the Flies yes, kind of thing. Yes. And then she shows up and says, This is not Lord of the Flies. And I <laughs> gave myself a gentle pat on the back for noticing the obvious, you know. So I love that movie. My brother hated it. I loved it. I t- we took my, we took, uh, we had uh, my parents were up from Florida and, you know, when uh, friends of the chat, let me just tell you. If you have your aging parents up from Florida, <laughs> let me tell you, count the seconds until they go home. Because <laughs> you just do not know what to do with them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. fortunately, um, you, you, you take them to the movies, but it becomes a simple dynamic. They're not going to want to watch, you know, the Avengers right, no. or whatever. And I said, oh, Peanut Butter Falcon. It's an, it's, it's an independent movie. My mom likes independent movies. And so we took my parents. They liked it okay. They liked it. They thought it was okay. But, you know, my brother was like, oh, my God, I can't stand it. Why did we see this? I cannot stand it. He thought, and I, I don't know. I, 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 he thought it How was. How could a person with that disability go too far playing that disability? I know. He, <laughs> I don't understand. I, because he doesn't want to see the reality of right, it. Right, he doesn't want to see right, the reality. Exactly. He, he wants to go to a movies and escape. But I, I don't know. I, I just thought, I thought it was perfect. I, I loved it. Honest, wasn't it even nominated for Best Picture? It got, I'm not sure. I'm not it sure. It should have been. I guess, so that kid, Zach, had been in a, a short at some point in time, like in 2012 mm-hmm. or something. And I guess the, the, the guys that wrote it also directed it. And they were, I don't know where they, I can't remember, where, I read it on IMDb. Mm-hmm. They, they met this kid somewhere and he talked about how he wants to be an actor. They literally wrote the movie around the fact that this kid wanted to be an actor. Nice. Yeah, that, that was pretty awesome. I loved it. Guys, go see it. And we're it not gonna great. we're not gonna put a spoiler around the end or anything, but I remember really like welling up and like, wow. Yeah. You know, like, woo, you know, just really, really awesome. And, and <laughs> you know, and the thing is, is like you said, there's so much recycled garbage out there. There's so much attempts at sort of just trying to cash in on something. This one was it just has such an authentic feel to it. You know, yeah. it, it made me want to go to North Carolina to the uh, to the Outer Bank. I just thought this is just cool. You know, you leave the movie. I, I left the movie theater feeling like I had like salt in my hair. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. I just kind of felt like, like I got my, my skin must have been sunburned. Uh, Shia you know? looked like he smelled bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good movie when you feel like you've oh, been yeah. to where they are. Oh, yeah. I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I and I, I when I was talking to my my buddy t- earlier today, he's, he's, he saw it and he, he had told me about it. And I, I, I've hit my head too many times. I forget so many things all the time but in he, in he loved it too so you know he's he's a good critic of movies so awesome i'm with you on that one that's a, that's very very good love that movie <laughs> love it. yeah it's great when i meant we when we first started talking about this i remember i, I texted you and i said i feel it um mick mars from motley Crue is one of the most underrated and underappreciated guitar players what 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 what's up i no keep going yeah, I, well, I, like I, he, well he's he he was a little older than the rest of the guys in the band, you know, so he was he was very much like a bluesy guitar player. Next thing you know, he's in a hard rock. You know, their first album was was almost poppy and punky. Then Shout of the Devil came out. And yeah. It was like a real hard rock album. And, and he's playing all this kind of bluesy stuff and his t- short, tasteful solos. I think the problem was he came out in the era of 
big guitar solos, mm-hmm. big shredders like the George Lynch's and the the Steve Eyes and Ingve Malmsteins who are amazing players, you know. And I think he was being like we're saying, he's being compared to these people when it's it, to me it's apples and oranges, you know. And I I think he's criminally underrated, and his live tone is one of the greatest tones I've ever heard in my life. You know, I. I I had never heard that people thought poorly of him as a uh, as a guitarist. Oh I yeah. Mean, so first off, uh, I think we, we got to let's go back in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it 1983 that Shout at the Devil yes. came out? Yes. So I was just coming off like a major, major Iron Maiden binge. Oh yeah. And uh, I think Peace of Mind maybe came yeah, oh, out yeah. in 83. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I love that album. Um, I, I really love that album. But, you know, metal at then, back then, like the Judas Priest and the Iron Maiden and, and, and to a lesser degree, um, you know, Rush. Yeah. Um, they felt like they were kind of coming off the 70s binge. Right. You know what I mean? It kind of felt like it was just kind of on the tail end of that. It was like gritty. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know. I love Priest. That was my uh, first concert. Judas Priest was my first concert. What a great yeah. band that was. Oh, yeah. And and so when sort of like the the next wave of metal came, it was I, I was almost glamorous. It was almost like, you know, big hair. And it was almost like the tunes were it was really a sign of things that were coming down right, the road. Right, right. And uh, and Motley Crue was way ahead of that, <laughs> yeah, that curve, yeah. way ahead. And maybe, you know, listening, re-listening to it, I was like, you know, maybe they're picking up some licks from, you know, Eddie Van Halen. Oh, or, absolutely. You know, of course. And so and Van Halen was sort of a, a genre in itself. And so, but, you know, re-listening to it, I'm like, I was like, I don't know, this, he, for his time, he was way ahead of his time. And I think for people of that era, they wanted the Judas Priest. They yeah, wanted, yeah, yeah. they wanted, right. you know, that kind of, uh, that kind of old kind of, kind of style of metal. But then like, you know, uh, Motley, then there was like the Def Leppards and then the, all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. It just changed. Now, the funny thing is, is in 1987 or 88, I remember when Guns N' Roses first came Oof. out, it was the same, Slash was getting the same shit yeah, that you're amazing. describing that, that this guy was getting. It's like, what? He's ahead of his time. Oh, I, yeah. The first time I heard Guns N' Roses, I said, that's it. It, it, it was one of those moments it's like that's it everything's changed yeah that was one of those moments where you're like oh and then the LA the LA metal scene started coming out and more LA bands you know yeah. that, that they came yeah. from but, you know so I don't know I, I, I think that like um when you look back at Motley Crue, you have to put it into the context that they were way ahead of their time and they weren't getting credit because the very fans who were supposed to recognize that they were ahead of their time were rejecting it. Did you, did you have you ever listened to their first album, Too Fast for Love? Yeah, a friend of mine in high school, he was an early adopter of Motley Crue. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, but I wasn't into, you know, I, like I said, I ended that jag on, on, uh, on Iron Maiden and I transitioned. Yeah. It was like, phew, like to, to U2. Yeah. And then in after Russia, that, yeah. Like from the time, like uh, I want to say '83, I was just once. Well, I guess War came out in '83. Once War came out, it was like I changed. Like I, I used yeah. to go. To, I was like a metalhead, and then after that, I was all about you know, yeah. you know. The, 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 I guess what do they call it? The post-punk new wave. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. all about new wave. <laughs> well, that first that first Motley Crue album was very poppy and punky uh, Nikki Six was a big fan of like the sweet like mm-hmm. these like hard rock bands but they're really poppy and, and stuff so that first album is very strange I, I discovered Shout of the Devil first then I went back mm-hmm. and listened to Too Fast for Love and then it happened they released a piece of crap album <laughs> Theater of Pain is so bad it's wasn't that so- their most commercially oh, successful sure, yeah. one yeah it's a piece of garbage 
No, no, home sweet home. No, home sweet home. Yes, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, like I said, you know, once I, <sighs> once I, once I, uh, once I went lateral into the new wave movement, I, at that point, I was all about like U two and the Police and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I never forgot my metal roots, but uh, but I, I left them behind. Andy Summers is another one. Nobody realizes how great that guy is because he doesn't go ripping on crazy solos. Well, he's, he's great. He's kind of like a. He's kind of like a. He, you know. He's got that nice reggae beat, yeah. you know. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, the thing is, is that I, I kind of now we know, as we, as you know, Sting has given a lot of interviews that these were basically three talented musicians who just wanted to be in a band together to, right. to, 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 to kind of make it big. And then once they made it big, you know, Sting is like, okay, I'm off doing my own thing. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. need he, you guys he, anymore. He was like, great. So you know, though I don't know Theater of Pain very well. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as I said, it's it's, uh, and I, I know a couple of songs, but. I think it touches on something that I, that I said before. So you love this band and music is so personal. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's like for me, it's, I, 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 I listen to music all the time. And so, especially when there's a band that you know, you resonate with, like they, right. they kind of, you know, they, they touch you, you know what I mean? That they, right. they really get you. It's natural to have expectations. It's natural to expect things. Okay. You did it before. Come on. Do it, yeah, right, right, do it right, again, right. do it again, do it again, do it. And the thing is, is that, you know, as, like I said, the difference between happiness and unhappiness is where you set your expectations. Right. If you set your expectations high and reality falls short of it, you're unhappy. Right. So the way I just kind of approach it, especially with a lot of bands that I like, um, I kind of keep my expectations at, I don't, I don't want to say low, that kind of makes it seem like, oh, I'm not going to expect much from them. I'm just glad they're still around. You yeah. Know? So, for example, with U2, I mean, they've been around uh, uh, my whole adult life. They were, they, I, I was a fan, like, what, 14? October, their second album. Yeah. They're still around. Right. I mean, when, when Neil Peart died, for yeah. a second there, I was like, shit, that's the end of Rush. Yeah, I only I got mean, to see them once. Oh, man, I saw them uh, at the Clockwork Angels tour. Yeah. Uh, and that album, Clockwork Angels, is a great album if you like rush like the old rush had on that it was insane i remember what it is but it was great I, I, it's that album um and you know what the funny part is that album had a corresponding book i read the book really and so so you know how like whenever you back in the old days like with hemispheres and the old rush albums like yeah. you know it seemed to be like an epic or like 2112 was yeah, this, yeah, it was right. this epic you opera yeah. you knew there was a story and you're kind of trying to figure it out well Clockwork Angels was the same kind of crazy, you know, rush epic story that Neil Peart writes, and yeah. but now there was a corresponding book that oh now I get now I know, now I get who the anarchist is, you know. Have you did you read his book uh, Ghost Rider? No, cannot I, recommend it enough. You have to. Yeah. Here's here's well, the deal with that book. His daughter died in a car accident yeah. on the way to college. I think a year later, his wife dies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's a big motorcycle rider. So he just like packed stuff, got on his motorcycle, literally looked back at his house and said, this might be the last time I see my house and just rode. Might never go home, might ride somewhere to die. No idea. Yeah. So yeah. the book is literally his road journal, his journal on the road. Like, oh, and stopped at this little bed and breakfast had salmon you know just i mean yeah had a, had a glass of scotch and 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 it's it is amazing I mean, he rolled up into alaska in the snow oh it's it's you have to read it it's amazing yeah. i think no, you'd really really dig it i had heard about it and uh there was that um what was that rush documentary did you ever see that that documentary on rush yeah yeah uh, uh, they 
I forget it, like all the yeah. world's a stage yeah, or yeah, something like that. Someone, yeah. And uh, something he, like that. He made an allusion to that uh, that you know he had gone on this sort of you know just quite literally epic road trip. Oh yeah. And uh, but I'm so glad he came back and yeah. continued to write. And that's kind of the, what I'm trying to say is, you know, um, if you if you set your expectations for an artist. Um, to sort of kind of just nail it again. Well, you know, we as fans are setting ourselves up. You know, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment because they're only human. And rather, I'm just glad they're producing. I'm glad they're still doing it. I'm glad that some stupid money counter yeah. says, oh yeah, they're still worth, you know, producing an album for so they could do it. And I'm, I'm glad Neil Peart came back from his road trip and said, right, you know right, what? Right. I have this great idea for an album and the great idea for that, for a book. That was their last album. They have not put another album since Clockwork Angels. And that was like, I want to say 2014, Something maybe like 2015. That, yeah. And it was not only an amazing album, an amazing book it was an amazing concert and it's an, it, and they have a um a, a video they have like they they filmed it and the the they have like a string orchestra in the background yeah, yeah, it yeah. is for, for for people who love rush yeah that is old rush and i'm when i mean old rush i'm talking moving pictures i'm talking like the the classic yeah, stuff yeah it harkens back to that and it's big songs big memorable you know, songs yeah. and yeah uh, there's uh, uh, there's one that i love is the anarchist um and it's just like it's so angry it's just it's oh it's excellent the point i'm trying to make is so theater with theater of pain yeah it didn't measure up but but Where's is Motley Crue still around today? Well, they weren't. Here's the thing: they did their farewell tour a few years ago, and they said, "That's it, we're done." They literally signed with they signed contracts saying we're done. They might have even signed it in blood. I'm not positive. Okay, <laughs> and they and Mick Mars was on. There was a show called That Metal Show. It's not on around anymore. And he was on that show, and he's like, "It's like, nope, it's not going to happen." I promise you, if it happens, I'll give everybody a free ticket. Which guess what? He's not because now they're doing a reunion tour with. With Def Leppard and Poison. No. And Joan Jett. Oh, I heard about this. Aren't they coming to Fenway or something? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Oh. So there's that. I, there's also that thing, too, that I think what people forget, too, there's that sophomore slump where mm -hmm. a lot of times the second album isn't as good as the first album. Right, the thing right. is, you have a lifetime to write the first album. Yeah, yeah. You know, then, yeah. You, got, then you got Money Men saying, okay, let's just get another one out here. And and it's sometimes it's harder to get that that second album out to be to be where it where it should be or, or where you hope it to be you know uh, in it with the, with you two so their first album as boy came out yeah. and um and everybody loved it especially in in europe you what know was the single off uh, I, I will follow yep yep great and there are a lot of like you two boy is an album that's filled anyone who listens to you two boy for the first time you're going to be amazed you're going to hear it you're going to like just imagine listening to that for the first time and saying oh my god these guys are fantastic. So different they're, from they're everything gonna, else. Be too. Huge. And it is so different. And it, it's just, it blends. It's very moody. It's very Irish. The only way I can feel it, like there's so many songs where you're like, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like in, in the middle of a, a pasture, you know, with the fog rolling in off the hills. <laughs> it's incredible. I'll have to revisit that album. I haven't listened to it in a long time. And so October came out next and that that was their sophomore effort and that fell short below their expectations well it was rife with disasters bono law his 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 lyric book got stolen oh. so when he's singing he's singing all off the top of his head he he doesn't remember the lyrics as well you know someone stole the book yeah. so they put out the album and then when war came out they're like okay this is it this is yeah. it you know it either happens now or, or it's that's not it. gonna happen and it happened yeah, and uh cool. and so and that's that's what hooked it for me
after that, I was I I was all about you two. And here's the funny thing: that buddy of mine who liked uh, Motley Crue, who spotted Motley Crue way ahead of the yeah. curve, I I kind of he and I had a falling out because he was making fun of you two. <laughs> and uh, and I, it wasn't that we weren't friends anymore. I was like. Dude, I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> he was making bad. fun of you too, and I, I didn't even realize. It. I thought he had seen what I saw in the band, and then then I realized, oh, you're fucking with me. They're, okay, they're one of those bands that okay, they're one of those bands. Like I was a at that time a hard rock guy, you know, and and all about it. And there was a video that was in constant rotation on MTV, and it was you two playing Sunday Bloody Sunday live at Red Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the flag and everything. Oh, it was amazing. It was such a great... I was like, That was a tour I saw. Oh, wow, that's cool. That was like... I I bought tickets the night before the show, Capitol Theater in Passaic, New Jersey. I don't even know if that place is still standing. Who knows? And it was their first American... uh, It was their first stop on their American tour. Oh, cool. Blew me away. Absolutely. blew everyone... Everyone there. Right, I'm not going to be happy until until I go see you two with you oh. and you and you come see Cheap Trick with me. But we're not going to go see Cheap Trick at like the casino. No, no, we have to go see them when they're when they're headlining in like a theater somewhere. Yes. I saw them two nights in a row last year. I saw them play at the casino and all those casino shows. Mm-hmm. You want to hit an hour and a half and get back out and get those yeah. machines yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah. of what it is no and then but then the next night i saw them play for two and a half hours of all the deep cuts and and stuff and it was it was amazing what did like where did you see him that was at some boy i wish I, it was at some theater in like worcester or something no that was like poughkeepsie New no York you or went something. all the way out to poughkeepsie oh, oh hell yeah awesome hell yeah and it was amazing yeah yeah, yeah. they were so good yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it was it was it was so cool well how about this I, what i'm gonna do is i'm going to people out there if you're listening, I want you to comment on this and kind of say things that, that either you think suck or things that your friends think sucks and, 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 and you think it's good. So comment, and, and Andy will be back on it. We'll debate that again. I, can, I feel like I can, if, if it's art, if it's art. Right, right, I, right. You know, with politics is another story. But if it's yeah. art, yeah. I can pretty much defend anything. Okay, so <laughs> all right. So please, guys, get involved with this. Is there anything else that you think, it, that, is there anything else that you could say in that, in that category? Well, I mean, you know, uh, you know music, Film, books, TV, especially TV. Um, as long as it's not politics, you know, politics can get you know. They, yeah, they, yeah. They, you know, I, they, I refuse to do yeah, it. No, it, yeah, it, yeah. It's just it, it, it just it's 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 a quagmire. Hey, we're gonna have to talk again because I would love to have you on and do this again. That, I think it would be awesome. But I mean, it's very. The thing is, is you got to remember the context that things yeah. are created in. Right, right, right. One, you know, it might be a reaction to sort of the way things are going, and then also you got to see, you know, you, you got to commend them for reaching. You know, of course. <laughs> the thing is. Is, is the whole purpose of art is to be transcendental, to describe something that is that is difficult to describe in words or or whatever. So, like you know, with music, what 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 is the mood you're going for? You know, what are, what are you trying to achieve? And so, you got to appreciate that effort. You know, the the one thing I will not defend, the one thing I will the one thing I will say that does suck is when it's when they're trying to rip off when it's oh, in, yeah. when it's inauthentic. Oh, I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I see what they're doing. They're trying like. Do you remember like when Star Wars came out? They had like all these cartoons. Battle. Oh yeah, yeah. of the battle planets. of the planets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, see what we did there? It's like Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it though. It was a, kid. I it really was a did, fun cartoon. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, okay, they're they're literally. I I, I felt manipulated. <laughs> I think the only 
the, right now on the top of my head, I'm trying to think of I can if I can think of any movie that has no redeeming quality, and the only one that I can think of right now is is The Room, Tommy Wiseau. Oh, but that's what's great about it is it's so bad. Yeah, have you seen it? <laughs> I've seen I've seen, you know, again, does it star does it star Meryl Streep? No. Does it star Judy Dench? No. Is it a romantic comedy set in London? No. Okay, I can't you see can't it. See I can't it. see it with my wife. Well, I can tell you this much. The just. To, to start off, first of all, it's just it's it's written terribly and it's it's so awful like green screen stuff. Oh, I've seen the clips of Mark. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, good story, Mark. Good story, Mark. It, but you know, I'm so happy with my friend. I think <laughs> I think within 20 minutes, the you are already in your third, really really creepy, uncomfortable sex scene. 20 minutes in. You got to give the guy credit, okay? Just the background. I know the background story of it all, and uh, I want to see the movie, the es- not the Escape Artist. No, what is it? It's um, it's the Disaster yes, Artist. Yes. So here's the thing. Which is great. It's great. By the way, Disaster Artist is great. I love it. Have you it. ever done the L.A. thing? Have you ever gone to L.A.? No. Okay. You need to go to L.A. But here's the problem with L.A. and Hollywood and all that stuff. You've got a lot of creative people, whether they're musicians, writers, actors, whatever. And you're waiting. You're like you're waiting for your moment. Right. You're basically basically if you are someone who says, "Okay, I want to make it in music, or I want to make it in acting," and you go out there, you're auditioning, you're you're, you're working your ass off on two jobs. You know the the job yeah. that you love, you yeah. know your art, and then the job to put bread on the table. Yeah. And so it is a waiting game, and it drives you crazy. And you begin to say to yourself, you know, do I have talent? Do I not have talent? Do can't is it, should I keep doing this? You know, and it, it just it gets in your head. So what this guy did, I mean, he was like, well, he was rich. He's like, let's just let's just fuck it. Let's just do it ourselves. Let's make a movie. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is that's the other aspect of you know art and the commercialization of art is uh, usually there's a reason why sometimes yeah, yeah, this, you're, you're, you're watch not making it, it. And 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 we'll have you on again and we'll discuss it. It is so bad. I'm sure. Well, I, I saw the one scene. Well, I got back from the doctors. I have the cancer, and and it's over. <laughs> and, and that was and that's the last time you heard of it. You know. And then what? And then the guy comes up and he says, he says this girl. You know, this guy beat her so bad, put her in a hospital for a couple of days, and he laughs. Oh, what a story, Mark! <laughs> like what, what, what is going on? It's it's insane. It's it's you can watch it for free on YouTube. That's yeah, that's where I, I caught I, it. I, I, you know, but the thing is, is like the guy kind of put himself out there. I yeah. think that that takes some. And now he's this legend. So yeah. maybe maybe it quote unquote sucks oh it does but i mean the effort a for effort i mean a for effort absolutely is there anything that uh that you would like to plug before we go to our final segment i should plug my employer yes you should so uh cochran dental associates uh i i while i am a columnist for the suffield observer that is my artistic job that is that is my passion is writing but um but i to put bread on the table i am the uh office the business manager for cochran dental associates in northampton massachusetts happy healthy smiles (laughs) It's a great office. That's where I go. I have a good smile. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, you know what's next. The people listening, we have this one constant segment, and we call it the final three. Pew 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 pew. pew. All right, Andy. You know the drill. Mm. There's a final three questions. Just answer them as you will. Oh yeah, <laughs> friends of the friends of the chat. I have been waiting for this since episode one. <laughs> Okay, I'm ready. I think you texted me like the day. All right, how do you take your coffee? Black. You're another psychopath. You know, can I tell a story about the Uh, black coffee? Okay, so I used to be, you know, like every other human being on the planet, I used to take it, you know, with cream. 
And sugar. Yeah. Oh, and it's it was delicious. It was absolutely oh, so my, good. My first cup of coffee I remember so well. I was a freshman in high school. <laughs> I was exhausted because, you know, we had to get to school earlier. Oh yeah. And I'm like, Oh, I'm wiped. Mom, I can't get to school. She goes, and my mom my mom's from Argentina. Well, have a cup of coffee. <laughs> and so I had a cup of coffee and I was like, it was like, you know, whoa, whoa where have you been all my life? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cream and sugar. It was just like it was it was wonderful. But as you progress in life, you know, there's no cream. We're out of cream. All right, I'll do milk. Oh, <laughs> there's no milk. We're out of milk. All right, I'll do black with sugar. <laughs> and then I remember I had um, uh, my friend in high school, uh, I would go to her house and her mom would offer a cup of coffee and they were big into no sugar. Like they did, they, you know, sugar is, yeah, we yeah. don't want sugar. Yeah. And I'd always ask, can I have sugar? Can my coffee? And yes, yes, here, Andy, here's sugar in your coffee. And, and it, this would be a regular thing. And like, you know, even it got to the point where we, she would serve the coffee, she'd bring, she'd go into the cabinet, break out the sugar for me. And she said to me once, you know, Andy, once you go up without sugar, you'll never go back. <laughs> and then when I was um, when I was uh, living on my own in upstate New York, and uh, you know, typical bachelor pad. Like if you open the fridge, there was a six pack of beer and a gallon of milk. Of course, yeah, yeah. And um, I but, hate milk, by the way, so never. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't have sugar. I ran out of sugar. Right. And so I said, okay, today is the day. I drink my coffee black, and I have never gone back. Really? Yeah. It's been uh, gee, almost thirty years. Wow. You know, um, how many human livers do you have in your freezer? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have two. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <fava> beans. <laughs> um, the uh, so the, the thing is, you know, when we when my wife and I went to Costa Rica on our honeymoon, yeah. we went into the mountains and, you know, co uh, coffee in Costa Rica told me about this, is, yeah. is fantastic. And my wife always has milk or uh, or cream with her coffee. And we went into the mountains of Costa Rica. It was in a, one of the most desolate places. And it was like, basically, I don't even know what to call it. It was a kind of like a ranch. They had cows and, and whatnot. And they, we, they sat us in and they gave us a cup of coffee and no milk no sugar just coffee beans that they roasted themselves it was the richest cup of coffee i've ever had that's the way coffee is meant to yeah, be yeah, yeah. you is yeah. meant to be drunk with just just in itself it has to stand on its own mm, interesting all right all right i'll all right, all right i'll take it right. it doesn't suck <laughs> <laughs> all right question number 2 what is the last movie you saw either at home or in the theater and without any spoilers give us some thoughts Okay, um, does it have to be a movie? It could be documentary or a TV show. No, oh, because I'm 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 hooked. I was I was late for an appointment today because I just started watching this TV one of these Hulu series. Yeah, it's called Devs. Oh my God, this show it is scare the hell out of you. Good. Okay, all right. Uh, it stars Nick Offerman from. Uh, yep, yep. And and he's basically sort of like this this Silicon Valley madman. You know, he is just, uh, and it's, uh, I started watching it this morning and, uh, and I couldn't put it down and I was late for like a, a an appointment and, uh, and, and it's all I can think about right now is this TV show. Okay, and well, it, you, just, you just cheated. You still have to give me a movie or a documentary. All right. The, uh, <laughs> the last movie I saw, I think was Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. And great, great movie. Really cool. good. Right. It does not star Judy Dench. It does not star Meryl Streep. So and your it's wife not, didn't see it. With she you. didn't see it. I had. To, I watched on the airplane on the way back. That that was. That was. It was really good. I. You I know, love to check it out. You know. I think for people who love cars, this is going to be the shit. 
it's just going to be the shit for them. I'm not a car person, and I thought it was great. I thought it was really great. And of course, it's I guess it's all true, and it's because yeah. I because I went right away. Carol into, Shelby, right? I, I went into yeah. yeah, I went into Google, and I'm like, you know, is this? Oh my god! Oh oh my god! It's it's all true. That's cool. And so, and I, I love Christian Bale, and uh, and I love Matt Damon. Yeah, uh, those are Matt great. Damon, uh, uh, Team America, World Police. You ever see that? No. Uh, there's like a puppet of Matt Damon. It's all he ever says. Matt Damon. That's, that's, that's it. It's you know, and the other thing is, is I love you know, I love movies that successfully kind of. Translate a period of right, time, right. and I—they nail it. They totally nail it. Did you see Battle of the Sexes with um, uh, what's well, Steve Carell and yeah, uh, yeah. And, and what's um, her name there? Oh uh, no, um, was it Emma Stone? Is it Emma Stone? Yes, Emma yeah. Stone. Did you see it? No, it's great. Really? I gotta oh, check great. it out. I gotta check it out. It's, yeah, it's it, true story. It was it's excellent. On, it's on HBO, I guess. It, um, it's great. I loved it. I, I love Steve Carell. There were literally three of us in the theater watching that. That's it. It was what? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was some afternoon show. There was nobody in there. It was great. <laughs> it was it's too bad. It was a great movie. No, you know, like I said, I want I want to see it, but I got gotcha. you. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, okay, it's, all right. So. You just lie to her. Tell her it's a romantic comedy. You know, and I, it's set I, in London. If I do that, we'll never go to the movies again. <laughs> it's so hard to get her to the movies to begin with. I know, right? Right. So right now, she's listening to this, and she's she always says, "It is not. It is not. I like movies. I like movies." No, she doesn't. Yeah, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. All right. Question number three, is there a local small business that you would like to give a plug? Yes. Okay. I cannot say enough nice things about this place. This place has changed my expectations of fast food, of what I expect, the oh. feelings, oh. The, the feeling of, of, of satisfaction and joy and happiness that I get from this place is unparalleled. I'm not the only one who thinks <laughs> oh this way. God, I'm so excited. Not, because sometimes the lines are long, some, but it is worth it is worth every second you spend in oh, line in this I'm place. So excited. Pita Pockets on uh, on Main Street in Northampton. That oh, the place is tremendous. I love that, that place. place is I'm incredible. so excited you just said that. I love that place. I can't. You know, hey buddy, hey buddy, <laughs> hey buddy. So it, it, first of all, it is a family business. Yeah, yeah. And and they are they are there every second uh, of of that place. I, I've never been in there. Whether it's the morning, the afternoon, late at night, they're always there. They they. But that's not what makes it great. What makes it great is. I, the flavors, the, the oh, it's amazing. It's, it's just it's, it's it's absolutely incredible. And the thing is, is I would never have guessed myself to be a like a a, a lover of Mediterranean food. Oh. It, that place has made me a lover of Mediterranean fresh, food. Fresh herbs. It's all fresh herbs and stuff. And they have that pickled was like turnip or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, oh. yeah. The, oh. the, the 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 sauces, everything. The, their hummus is is insanely good. Well, I'm not a hummus guy. So this is the thing I think that kept me away from Mediterranean. Oh. I'm not a hummus guy, really? and I'm not a um, what's the deep fried hummus? The uh, what? Called, um, uh, falafel. falafel. I'm not a falafel guy either, but my wife dragged me there once oh. and uh, I didn't think I was going to like it and I loved it. And so even now when I go there, I don't even know what to order because she knows what I like. Maybe revisit the hummus there. Maybe revisit it. Because yeah, my buddy you, isn't a big fan of hummus either and he loves their hummus. I love that place. Can't say enough good things. Whenever I, So I, I work in Northampton and whenever my wife says, you want to go out for lunch? I'm like, Peter Pockets. I haven't been in right a while. There. I've been I've been craving it. That's oh, awesome, man. I want to go now. Yeah, yeah. it's in the old, it was, it was a subway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, and it, it and like anytime I'm there, there is always 
always align. Yeah. That is that that says it all right there. Oh yeah. So oh, awesome. That's all great. Right. Anything else? No. I mean, let me think. Uh, oh, um, you know, your last guest. Uh, you guys were. It, 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 he was. He was a, a music. Yeah, like he liked to go to. Yeah. He, he went to um, the the place in uh, in Enfield. Another. If you if there are people out there who love vinyl, Platypus Records in East Hampton. Oh, that cool. place is the best place they have all these kind of like uh um 50 cent bins oh yeah and i just comb through it i just i, I could be there all day literally like, oh, cool. like a, a good saturday for me it's like it's warm weather nice spring and i go to platypus records at like 10 a.m and i leave at 5 p.m it is great it he's got it all he's the nicest guy he's always there um i can't say but it's just a great place if you are a vine now the other place in enfield is good too that's oh, yeah. a great place as well the guy at Platypus, it's really kind of what you come to expect when you're looking for like that old record that you never thought you would buy and it's there for 50 cents and it's always in great cool. condition. I, I always like, I, I always um, find like, you know, oh yeah, I remember these guys. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll, throw, I'll buy it for 50. And then I, why did, where's this album been my whole life? Oh, cool. I'll have to check it out. That's great. So. Well, dude, I cannot thank you enough. I had the best oh, time with you. It was so great. This is awesome. I, we have to do another another episode Any of this. Anytime. Okay. Anytime. <laughs> Listen, friends of the chat, I'm telling you, this this is happening. This is real. This podcast <laughs> is real. You you listen to it now. You're gonna say I was with Jonathan when. Oh, thanks, okay, man. This is great. I I it, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. A lot of different. I have like a dozen that I listen to faithfully, and even more that I'll give. This one is at the top of the list. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And well, guys, uh, please subscribe on Castbox, Spotify. Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, and Apple Podcasts. Leave reviews. Leave reviews. You have no idea how much it helps. Bump the podcast up when people are looking for things. Leave reviews. Leave glowing reviews, damn it. Ah, leave reviews. Thank you. I didn't know that. That's great. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>